When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Betches Media presents He's in the building! Afternoon Tea with host Sammy Sage. Is that what you're saying? Please proceed, Governor. Presented by the Betches Sub Podcast. You better hope there's a lot of girls listening to this with the volume turned down. Your weekly dose of political therapy. Cardi, that's what I've been doing my whole life. And now, with this week's guest... Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. Your host, Sammy Sage. Welcome to today's episode of Afternoon Tea, your companion to the morning announcements and weekly political therapy session brought to you by The Betches Sup. Today's guest is Laura Hankin, author of the just-released novel, A Special Place for Women. Laura is here to tell us about her new novel, how she got inspired by The Wing, of all things, and some insight into how you can get a book deal of your own. With that, let's get the tea from Laura. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) So tell me, yesterday was yesterday pub day? It was, yeah. Okay, so your new book, A Special Place for Women, is out. How are you feeling? I read your book over the weekend, and it was really entertaining. (laughs) I mean, it's been incredible. So this is actually my second book that's publishing during the pandemic. But at least this time, I can like see people outside, which is really exciting. So it doesn't feel quite as lonely as last time. Um. (laughs) Totally. I mean, I've I've read now both of your books in the pandemic. The first one was Happy and You Know It, which was really one of my favorites of last year. So I really would love for people to get to know you, kind of find out where your inspiration for your writing comes from and, you know, what your story is, because I think so many people would love to be able to do what you do. And it's, you know, not easy. So pulling back the curtain on a little bit of that. Can you tell people kind of like how you got onto this path of being an incredible author? Oh, well, thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, sure. So I mean, I grew up as a huge, huge reader. Like my idol was obviously Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I was always just like walking around with my nose in a book. (laughs) Um, And I, I wrote a little bit growing up, like very bad poems. Definitely um, when I was in second grade, we had to write like little books for the class. And most people wrote like, my favorite color is red. Here's three pages about why, or I love baseball. Um, And I wrote like a long and in-depth 
story of my family history in which I revealed multiple family secrets and then read it out loud at parents night in front of everyone. What did you reveal? Do you remember anything like specific? Yeah, I revealed that my dad proposed to my mom three times before she said yes. Okay. How did how did your dad feel about that being shared? Um, I don't know. And now I'm sharing it on this podcast too. Sorry, dad. <laughs> Uh, but then for a while, I, I got really into theater and that was uh, what I was going to pursue. I think I really have a knack for picking careers that are just so easy, you know, <laughs> um, and yeah. where everybody succeeds. Right. So easy to make it. <laughs> yeah. If you want a guaranteed job with security for your whole life, either go into theater or try to be an author. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I moved to New York and I was auditioning for shows and I realized that I needed just some creative outlet that I could control because when you're auditioning, you're just like begging people to give you a job, you know, and then you refresh your email over and over and over again to see if you got it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm driving myself nuts. I need to, you know, have creativity that I can control. So I decided to go back to writing and see if I could actually do it more seriously. And joined some writing groups with really wonderful friends who gave me great feedback and encouragement. And then over, you know, many years worked on books, definitely have like a novel in a drawer that nobody <laughs> has ever seen uh, publicly <laughs> uh, besides the editors who rejected it. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then just really a few Years ago, I got a book deal for Happy and You Know It. It was kind of right at the point where I was like, should I give up and try to live a more stable life? And luckily, I held out a little bit longer. Um, and yeah, now I get to write full time, at least for now. That's amazing. I feel like you. I feel like you're gonna. You're on the on your way to be able, being able to continue doing this because I mean, you really have a very clear, solid writing style. And <laughs> I, I do want to talk about the book specifically, but maybe it would be helpful to tell some of our listeners like how you actually went about getting a book deal. Like, how does one become a writer in this day and age? Yeah. So the good thing about it is that it is accessible in terms of. If you write a book, you then write up a really good query letter and there are all sorts of, you know, templates online and you can find a lot of advice on how to do it. Um, and you pick literary agents who you think would be good for you and their contact information should be on their website. And then you send in that query letter that's like, hi, here's who I am. Here's this book that I've written. Like, here's why you should want to represent it. Um, and you'll send the first however many pages to, and they generally will read all the query le query letters that they get, and they might not, you know, read the first few pages of every book if the query letter doesn't speak to them. But you like have a shot. Um, so that is the way that people go about it. And then if an agent wants to work with you, then they will make a list of you know the editors and publishing houses that they think are good for your book. Um, and then you send it out that way. So you're going through like round after round of these things. I got lucky in that I was able to bypass part of that system because a friend of mine worked at an agency and she was like, oh, I'll pass your material on sort of straight to this agent. And they'll kind of, because 
I know them. They'll like bump you to the top of the pile to read your letter more quickly, basically. Um, but you know, you don't need a personal connection to do this, which is good. So like how many, just maybe from people who you, who you know, how many queries would, how many query letters does like the average author with no connections send out, do you think, before maybe getting a break? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it really depends on the author. I have heard that you should not like shoot all your shots all at the same time, you know, like the advice is to send maybe five to eight query letters first to your top agent choices and see what kind of response you're getting. Because if they're all like, "Mm, pass, maybe you need to rewrite your query letter, you know, don't immediately send the same query letter out to like 50 people. But the good news is there are a lot of agents, so. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, even self-publishing is like a viable thing at this point. But how did your experience working? Because I know you wrote for like Bunny or Die. You wrote for Betches in the past. (laughs) How did like that experience play into this? Do you think that that's necessary for an aspiring writer? I think it certainly helps to get practice writing in a bunch of different mediums and having other people look at your writing and give you feedback. Um, And you know, I think it, it helps me to work for a bunch of different websites doing freelance writing for them because it, it helps me like master the tone of each website. And then that was really useful when I was trying to write different characters, right? <laughs> right. Oh, I have so many questions about how you form the characters, but we are almost <laughs> there. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. So the writing, practicing writing obviously like helps. What is your like process once you actually like had this book and you had a deal? What was your process? Maybe even for the second book since that was like, you know, you had to like kind of conceive that from scratch with the book deal. Mm-hmm. How do you get it done? Great question. I feel like I definitely have my like ideal writing day and writing process. How often do I stick to it? Not all the time, but usually I'll like wake up in the morning, make my thermos of coffee, take a long, long walk without my phone and just think and let myself get bored for like an hour as I walk around. Um, And then I'll come back and try to do like all the turning off the internet 
<laughs> tricks that I can. Sometimes I'll literally go like hide my phone somewhere else in the apartment or my fiance will steal it from me. And like, he has a secret hiding place. I don't know where it is, but <laughs> he puts my phone there. Um, and I try to write about a thousand words a day, but where I really get the majority of my work done is when I can like go rent a cheap Airbnb for three days somewhere alone. And then I just go and write like 8,000 words and talk to myself and kind of become a swamp creature who's like not fit to interact with humans anymore. (laughs) So what is, what is that? Like, I always kind of wanted to do that personally, like just go somewhere and like write something or like make content, but I feel like I don't have like an excuse to do that. So like, what was, what is that like? Do you feel like you're like cabin in the woods situation? Like what, what does that feel like? Yeah, it feels really exciting. Like the adrenaline is kind of pumping through my body the whole time because I'm like, I'm making magic here. And is it magic? I don't know. (laughs) Like you got to look at it afterwards and see if it really makes sense. But it's pretty fun. You get to feel like a fancy writer for a little while. (laughs) Right, it's so true. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about the books because I feel like what I love about them is that they're like stories that basically like contain a theme that you're trying to like get across. So how did you come up with the ideas, I guess, both for both books, Happy and You Know It and A Special Place for Women? Yeah. So both of them, I definitely pulled from experiences in my real life as the initial inspiration. So Happy and You Know It is about a playgroup musician who ends up singing to this playgroup of like really wealthy women on the Upper East Side and their babies. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, one of my like many day jobs that I was doing during this seven year period where I was trying to figure out if I could make a living as a writer was that I taught baby music classes and I would go to the apartments of these wealthy women and sing to their babies. And I would be like singing wheels on the bus for the thousandth time. (laughs) And of course my my mind would wander and I'd be like, what would happen if I became friends with them? (laughs) You know, what are their lives like? (laughs) Did you ever become friends with them? I, a couple of them I was friendly with in that we would like go get a coffee at Starbucks occasionally or for Facebook friends at the time, but certainly never to the extent that happens in the book. <laughs> so, so in the book is the, is the plot that happens? Is it just totally fake? Like, is it based on any, I feel like I'm giving, I don't want to give anything away, I know. but, but the most exciting twist, is that based on anything that you observed? Um, no, I I made that all up, but I was I was interested, and again, trying. I always write these books with like gigantic twists that I really yeah. want to talk about, and then I can never talk about them in interviews. I was very fascinated by wellness culture at the time too, and like you know, Goop. I spent a lot of time on the Goop website, and so that served as an inspiration. But yeah, I would say both of my books. I have a jumping off point in reality, but then they quickly become very fictional. So for this one, a special place for women, um, it's about an undercover reporter who decides she's going to infiltrate this secret women only club for the taste making millennial elite of New York. Um, and I was inspired to write that one because a friend of mine invited me to join her for coffee one day at the wing. She was, I was going to ask, I was like, is she going to say it? Is she going to say it's about the wing? It's It's definitely about the wing. Yeah. (laughs) The wing was the inspiration, but again, you know, that started it. And then very quickly it became something totally fictional. (laughs) What what was your experience at the wing that did, was it, was it inspired by like the vibes you got at the wing or did you like 
oh okay <laughs> yeah you can't see i just nodded my head um yeah she was just like mm, yeah uh, yeah baby <laughs> okay so what did you think what did you think of the wing i'm curious now that it's not really uh consequential i'm just wondering i know um so I was so excited to go because I had obviously been reading a lot about it and I'd been on their Instagram a lot and I was like, it's so pretty. And, yeah. um, like, uh, it's a utopia for women, right? You know, you'd go and you just feel so safe and accepted and everyone will support everybody. And then I went and, you know, my friend who invited me was lovely, but I guess I just felt so self-conscious so immediately. I, I was like, I don't belong here. And this was, again, before my book deal. I was running around from day job to day job. I just didn't feel impressive, and it felt like everybody else there knew it, you know? Yeah. Um, did you feel like it was a an equalizing place? Because I feel like that is such a, a an important theme of, in your book um, about the question over whether it was actually being kind of like used for its intended purposes, yeah. Yeah. I felt like the wing was founded with, you know, such a lovely goal to be equalizing in this way, but then kind of quickly, perhaps it, it turned into more of a status thing and it was expensive. It wasn't accessible to everyone and it was exclusive. So like, how did you get in off that waiting list? Did you right. have to know somebody? Um, and so of course in the book, I wanted to amp all that up even more by having the club be like, top secret and you have to be invited to join <laughs> that makes total sense hey american fever dream listeners i'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift now you can use gift mode on etsy gift mode on etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion it's easy just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So another element of the book is this sort of like supernatural, almost like, you know, it's where people, it's the place people go after they get into crystals and astrology. Are you into those sort of things? Like, like, what's your relationship with, I don't even know, the woo-woo stuff is what the I'll categorize it as. <laughs> yeah. You know, part of the reason that I um, wanted to write this book is because I, I think my initial reaction was to be kind of judgmental of all of that. And I was like, why am I being so judgmental of my friends who are in, <laughs> into this stuff? Um, and I, I do think that the really nice thing about some of that stuff is just the community that it provides. Like, it's fun to talk about that kind of stuff with your friends, right? Or like if somebody is giving you a tarot reading and they're a person who you trust, I think it can be a nice bonding experience for the two of you. Um, and it can help just reveal maybe like 
subconscious things in yourself and what is important to you that you maybe haven't uh, admitted to yourself or something like that. Do I believe that the cards hold like a magical power? No, I do not. (laughs) Um, But I was really interested in the fact that I was, I was meeting a lot of women. I felt like half of the women that I was meeting were really into this girl boss thing of like, you know, come on ladies, the way to equality is to stop apologizing in meetings and to like negotiate like a man. And then the other half of the women that I was talking to were really into manifesting and crystals and yeah, the, the supernatural type thing. And I was like, oh, these are two really different approaches to power and to like being a woman who wants to have power. And where does each approach succeed? Where does each approach fail? Like what are the ways in which these approaches can be communal and help other help women lift other women up versus what are the ways in which they can be really selfish. Right. Especially when I, when I think about kind of like the woo, the, uh, I don't even know what to, what to describe this as. There's no like one catch all word because like people are into such different elements of it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like I'm resistant to like to even talk about my like natal chart because (laughs) I'm afraid that like, it'll make me sound silly. Like mm-hmm. as a woman, I'm afraid that it will enhance this this belief that I am silly and believe in fantasies, and that that is it's so it's it almost has a feeling of like am I setting women back by like bringing this up as like a credible thing? So was that like at all? I mean, I don't want to again give the book away, but like was that at all part of your writing or part of your observations? Like, how do you think that? women embracing this like kind of spiritual wellness. Um, What do you think that does for women? Yeah. I mean, I really wanted to put that tension into the club, right? And that um, one of the heads of the club feels like she doesn't want the women in the club to be talking too much about like, oh, we're a coven, (laughs) you know, or like, oh, let's read our tarot because she does think that it'll make people take them less seriously (laughs) right 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 that is one of the one of the characters Mm -hmm. I think that is such an interesting dichotomy that you put in there like this like power power betch for yeah yeah like this like power yeah I really meant power bitch but like versus this like (laughs) woo woo I'm going to like embrace my femininity to gain my power Mm -hmm. do like from what you've seen obviously like you are in a very specific industry, do you do you feel that like either of those approaches is effective or more effective than the other? Yeah, I mean, I do feel like the pandemic has laid bare that the girl boss power bet <laughs> power bitch yeah. uh, approach hasn't particularly worked. And like, I don't know if you feel this way, but for a while it really felt like, oh, we're almost there, you know? Like, lead in a little more, ladies. Um, and <laughs> And now I'm like, oh my God, are we ever going to have a woman be president? And like, what do we need to do? And so many women have dropped out of the workforce. Like, what do we need to do? Maybe we need to like, yeah, embrace our our femininity and manifest things. I've, but no, I, I do think that that path then allows you to be dismissed <laughs> by right. the world as well. So I think right. part of what I wanted to say in the book is that like, it's really hard to do it right, but we have to keep trying and trying to figure out the way. 
Right. What do you think about the idea of like an all female club? Um, just in general as a as a concept. Yeah. I mean, it really appeals to me in a way, right? Like a place where you can go and feel safe and uh, like you don't have to worry about impressing men. Um, I would say, you know, like I I think part of the problem that the wing ran into is that they they were not inclusive in other ways, you know, like they, they were trying to intersectionally. Yeah. Intersectionally. Right. And an all female club might not be like entirely intersectionally good. Um, right. Yeah. But I do think sometimes I have this feeling like my protagonist, the journalist who goes in where I'm like, I don't care about that. I don't need an all female club, whatever. But then I know that the minute that an all-female club like that was like, hey, we like you, join us. Here's where you belong and where you can be comfortable. I would be like, yay, right. <laughs> sign me up. Right. It's it's so interesting because like you almost have like female social tendencies and social etiquette overlaid onto like this career club. And mm-hmm. it becomes like, it becomes almost, I don't know how to describe it, but like a... A click for for work, bitches. Like you know yeah. what I mean. And it's like you start to put, you start to take something that should be professional or professionally supportive, and then it just becomes kind of like a sorority. Yeah. And like, where does that line? How do you prevent it from crossing over into that? Is it like just that how that's how women are? Like I I don't want to believe that. Um, I know. But yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. How do you separate like your professional ambitions from your friendships with these people? What do you do if they like come to loggerheads or they can't work in tandem? Yeah, I don't know. It's really tricky. Right. I mean, I kind of feel like that's maybe where the wing kind of fails intersectionally is that they didn't have the natural connections with people of color like with with women of color Mm -hmm. obviously like when you talk about like any sort of like recruitment pipeline that is a challenge in having people of color in higher positions so I feel like it's almost an accident and that if you if they did because they didn't like really go so out of the way to solve the problem it just continued to compound on itself basically yeah and then when they did try to solve it it came off as like too little too late and right. now the wing is, it seems, owned by a man and like lost all, right. <laughs> lost all their members. Yeah, which is, it's sad. Like when we, when we mess up, I think, or when we're like looking at these um, fe- female-led clubs or businesses who we've put, I think, so many hopes into and so many expectations into and we're like, you're not just offering us a product. You're providing us with a way to feel really like good about ourselves. And like, we're, we're getting social product or progress too, in addition to like a really nice sweatshirt or a really nice place to hang out. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that then when they fail, it feels like they need to be erased from the earth. You know, there's no chance for them to like try again or for us all to, to be like, okay, good idea. Let's, do this better now. Um, so right. that was one of the things I wanted to think about in the book. Like, is there a way to rebuild better? <laughs> totally. Totally. Cause I mean, 
you know, men's clubs have been around for so long and you have like one women's club who like doesn't do it right completely. And then it's just like, it's over. Yeah, it's Um, sad. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally agree that, you know, women are not given that same like level of forgiveness. There are higher expectations and like a fuck up is basically never forgiven the way it is for a man. Mm -hmm. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Are there other elements of just things that you've observed that you feel like could make you know, your next book, like anything, (laughs) you know, anything that you've seen going on that you're like, that is just like, would make a perfect plot. So the book- I won't steal them. (laughs) (laughs) You better not. And nobody listening should steal either. Um, Well, the one that I'm, (laughs) the one that I'm working on right now actually is about um, the stars of a high school musical-esque, like Mickey Mouse Club-esque a TV show back in the early 2000s that just totally implodes on live TV during their finale. And then, you know, it's a decade later, they've all gone in very different directions. Obviously, the man who was a star of the show has had a more successful career than some of like the women who were on the show. Um, And they all have to come back together for a reunion special. And so I, I was looking a lot at like, the nostalgia that we've gotten really, really into recently, um, as well as the way that we treated our our female stars back in the day versus our male stars. Totally. Mm-hmm. That is like, that is such a, that that is so ripe for, you know, literary critique. <laughs> but I, you know, I love how you take um, 
sort of like feminist adjacent issues and you turn them into like interesting fantasies. It's really just like so fascinating, honestly. Thank you. Yeah, I really want to take people on like fun, wild, page-turning, funny rides. Um, but then after they're done, have them be like, oh, wow, huh, that was saying something interesting about feminism or, yeah, these social issues. Well, I will tell you that I finished the book in like under a day. So oh you God. took me on a page turn. I mean, I read really fast. I will say that. Um, you took me on a page, like on the, I'll like walk around with a book until it's, if I like it, uh-huh. you'll know I like a book because I'll be like walking around the house, like cooking dinner, referencing the book. Like, you know I mean? I'm so, so honored to be your dinner companion. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. No, you, you did a really amazing job with this book and I'm so happy for you. And congrats on Pub Day. Thank um, you. Is there, where would you want to tell people to find you to, obviously they know where to get your book, but like if you have a preferred <laughs> vendor and just where to look out for you and your writing in general. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people to support their local independent bookstores if they can. Um, they're the best and we don't want them to disappear. So if you want to get the book from there, amazing. But you can also get it at, you know, Barnes and Noble and Amazon, et cetera. Um, you can find me at laurahankin.com. I'm probably the most active on Instagram for the social medias at Laura Hankin, but also pretty active on Twitter. And I'll, you know, post the things that I do on there. This is this is really amazing, Laura. Thank you so much. And congrats. I am a longtime fan and will continue <laughs> to be a reader. And please go hide in a cabin and write another book because I need something <laughs> to read. <laughs> Sammy, thank you so much for having me. I will go to the cabin immediately. <laughs> you're very, you're very welcome. Get out of here. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Afternoon Tea is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Our editor is Stacey Wong. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.